The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, he was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall come and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that at the right time, at the fulfillment of the ages, you sent Jesus because we desperately need a savior. And even today, Lord, we desperately, this day, need Jesus. The world needs Jesus, but we each as individuals need Jesus. We pray as Randall comes and breaks the word that we would partake of it, we would eat our fill of it, that it would sustain us and it would change us, Lord. I pray, Father, that if any of us hear your voice this morning, that we would respond in faith and come to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Nancy. Hey, good morning. All right, so uh, we're in our Advent season, and if this is your first time here, my name is Randall. Uh, I get to be the lead pastor here. It's a joy for me to be here this morning to bring the word. And, um, you know, a couple weeks ago, we did something called Give Sunday. And we've been talking about it all through November. We were going to do Give Sunday. And then last week I announced how much we, we raised. And so our goal was 20000 I an- announced last week that we had uh, $13,000 that was raised. Praise God, right? <laughs> Praise God. And I got a message on Monday morning that there were a couple gifts given and we are at... Let's put it up there, $20,295.92. You know, one of the things I said at the very beginning was that it was going to be a team effort, and um, just seeing the hearts of the people here, um, it blows me away. It blows me away every week, and, um, you know, so this week we sent off uh, $12,500 for the church plant in Tokyo. It's already been sent out and it's already being activated for ministry out there. Um, We sent $2,500 to the Burmese refugees this week. They've received it, and that is being activated for the people in our city um, for the glory of God. And that $5,000 is set aside for um, the Ecuador mission trip, and so there's 12 members of our church that are going to visit Ecuador uh, through Compassion International, the church that we were able to plant out there 
And so I just praise God for all of these things that are happening. And um, you know that extra money, the two, uh, 200 of that was given to have um, a big dinner for the hub, a homeless ministry that we help out with. And so uh, I talked with them this week and they're gonna do uh, just a big Christmas dinner for the homeless and uh, in the ministry that they're doing. And so we just thank God for, for what he's doing. And um, let's just take a minute and just pray. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you that this is so much bigger than us. And I thank you for the hearts of each person here. Lord, I thank you that you've called us not to be uh, a people that consume for ourselves, but to give. And you taught us what that means because you gave the greatest gift of all. You gave yourself. And so, Lord, I just thank you for how you're teaching our church what it means to be generous like you're generous. And, uh, Lord, that we get to be a part of these great kingdom things that you're doing. So we give you all the praise and the glory for every gift, every dollar, everything that's been done. It is all glory to you, Lord Jesus. We pray this in your name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right. So uh, Advent season, we've been anticipating the arrival of Jesus Christ. You know, that's what we've been looking forward to as we think about Christmas and, and God coming to be uh, one of us. And so uh, over the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about this, going through the book of Matthew. And uh, Matthew 1, 18 through 25 is where we're landing today. And here's the message. The presence of God. The presence of God. Now, why is this Christian belief of Emmanuel, God with us, why is that so important? Last week, I had the opportunity to, to host my wife's great-grandmother. She came in town. She was sitting here in service. She was right up front uh, last week. And she's an amazing woman. She's in her 80s. Uh, she lives up in New York. And over the past summer, uh, she suffered something really tragic. Her uh, husband, uh, Laura's grandfather, uh, passed away this, this past summer. And we had this conversation because, you know, life after Grandpa John has been really difficult for her. And she's trying to adjust to life. And, and so as I was dropping her off at the airport this past week, um, you know, she just told me, she looked at me in the eye, she grabbed my arm and she says, uh, I can't explain it. I can't explain it. But I am just so lonely. I am just so lonely. You know, they, they'd been married for a long time, over 40 years, 60 years, 60 years. And she just looked at me. She says, I'm just so lonely. I don't know how to get through it. You know, in America right now, there, there's an epidemic of loneliness. And, and like we talked about, you know, it's, it's something that, that during this season we don't want to talk about because it seems like we want to put on this everything's great. Everything's, you know, really good, but people are struggling. Psychiatrist uh, Frida Fromm-Reichman said that loneliness is such a painful, frightening experience that people will do practically everything to avoid it. Practically everything to avoid it. MIT Press did an article simply called The Study on Loneliness, and they said even scientists have tried to avoid this topic of loneliness. Here's what it says, MIT Press. Loneliness is much more often commented on by songwriters than by social scientists. One psychiatrist has suggested that we neglect loneliness because we have no theory with which to begin to cope with its manifestations. 
right, so we just kind of push it to the side. We don't want to talk about it. So what, what, what could be a root cause? Why do us as human beings struggle so much with loneliness? Well, in 2014, economist uh, Brian Fickert gave a, a talk entitled First World Poverty. And during his talk, he asked this question. He says, why has there been such an explosion of mental illness in the United States post-World War II? And he goes on to say, he says, in June 2002, a conference was held at Dartmouth Medical School in which the leading scientists and medical professionals were brought together to try to determine why was it that, what was it that was causing the explosion of mental illness in America? And what these scientists discovered was that following their study, hardwired to connect, human beings are fundamentally wired for relationships and that the youth in America are experiencing a breakdown in two primary areas in relationships. One of those was other people and the second primary relationship is with God himself. Secular scientists saying that a breakdown in those two relationships are contributing to mental illness. Right, this, this was a, a study done by medical professionals and that's what they came up with. And so today, our text is Matthew 1, 18 through 25. And, and, and I want to present to you something that I believe is very important, a, a, a key to the solution to this loneliness that we have. And it can be found in Matthew 1, 23. Because here's the thing. The gospel the message of Christianity is all about what's been done. And I want us to hear today that there's been something that's been done within history that helps us with our loneliness. And this is what God's done. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. In our darkest, loneliest moments, what has God done? He's come to be with us. Emmanuel, God with us. And so how does Emmanuel help us in our loneliness? I want to break this down from the text today. And uh, we need to understand three parts to this, okay? And so the first part is it's theological, it's theological. The, the second part is it's experiential. And third, it's transformational. It's theological, it's experiential, it's transformational. So the first one, it's theological. Uh, verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God. God. This is theological. This is, this, is, this is about God. Brendan Myers gave a TED Talk called The Importance of Loneliness. Here's what he said. He says, if you are religious and you think reaching out to God is the answer to your loneliness, no, it's not. I'm sorry to tell you God is lonelier than you are. Loneliness is an existential problem. There's nothing you can do about it, really. There's no cure for it. There's not even a prevention. Thanks for all the hope, buddy. Like, <laughs> Great. Thanks for that. Here's what we need to understand. There's so much wrong with what he said in that. There's like so much wrong with it. But um, the first thing that we need to understand is this, that God is not lonely. God is not lonely. 
Genesis 1.26. Here's what it says. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Super important. From the very beginning in Genesis, God doesn't say, let me make man in my image, in my likeness. But from the very start, God says, let us, our. Here's the thing we need to understand. God is not dependent on a relationship with you and me. He's not. He's not needy like, oh, I I wish I had a relationship. Like, he is within himself completely sufficient. See, here's the thing about God. God has always been in an eternal loving relationship. This is what it's called. Theologically, it's called the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three persons, one God. And within that, we see that God has never been lonely. 1 John 4, 8 says this. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. God is love. If God is love, there's so many implications to that that we need to think through. I'm thankful for people like Augustine because he reasoned in the fifth century based on this little phrase, God is love. Here's what he reasoned. He says, in order to have love, there must be a lover, a loved, and the action of love. Since God is the very embodiment of love and he loved himself, he must have the three natures. In order to be loved, God must at the same time be the object, the subject, and the verb. Okay, so here's what we need to understand. God did not create you and me because he needed to be loved. He didn't do that. But instead, God created you and me so that he could share his love. Again, God is all sufficient within himself. And he didn't come to get love from you and me, but to give it. To give it. And here's the thing. If God has been in a loving relationship from eternity past to present, and he made us in his image, then what what we must understand is that he came to love us with no strings attached. With no strings attached. And in doing that, he came to relate with you and me. See, this is the uniqueness of the Christian message. If you never believe that Jesus is God, if Jesus is God, then you will never have a God that can truly relate to you. Truly relate to you. Because Jesus, what we find out through all of Scripture and throughout his life is that he, he, he experienced struggle, pain, hurt, and so when we say that God wants to relate to us, it's not just that, oh yeah, God in, a, in an idea form wanted to relate to us, but he came and became one of us and says, I want to relate to you in every way possible. That's unique. See, if you never believe in a God like this, you'll be praying to a God who doesn't understand your deepest issues, pains, and that, that's true loneliness. 
Because here's the thing. My, the deepest relationship that I have in my life is to my wife. Right? I, couldn't, I didn't even know how many years her grandparents were married. I said 40. She said 60. Right? Like there, there are things that there, she, she corrected me. But here's the thing. I don't, I don't know everything that she experiences. And she doesn't know everything that I experience. And that is the deepest relationship to me in the world. But God says, I can relate. I can meet you right where you're at and understand. How do we know that Matthew's telling the truth here? You can't fool the people that you're perfect. Right? Like, you can't fool people that you're perfect. Matthew walked with Jesus for three years. And he, seed, he saw him relating to people, and he writes on the page, Jesus is God. This God with us. Emmanuel, you want to know who it is? It's Jesus. And so, let me ask, have you personally wrestled with the implications of Jesus being God and that he can meet us in our loneliness? The second part is it's experiential. I want you to think of the second part of this. So he's Emmanuel, which means God with, with. Okay, John 1.14 in the message version, and this is something written by Eugene, the, the late Eugene Peterson, but I think it's, it's helpful for us to, to really get like a, just an idea of, of what this scripture could be paraphrased as. And here's what he says. He says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes. The one-of-a-kind glory like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. That's an interesting phrase, right? Like he moved into the neighborhood. I was doing a homework assignment with my daughter this week, Elle. She's middle child, and she's working through uh, this project talking about neighbors. And so we're reading through it, and it's talking about what neighbors do for one another. And, you know, she's talking about neighborhood, and it's neighborhood. Uh, a neighbor is somebody that you pass by and you see and you wave to. Neighbor is somebody that you come to when you need something. Like, hey, can I borrow that? Or do you have any of this? A neighbor. And then at the end it says, the neighbors, the, the ones that help protect you. And living in San Diego, let's just say it, we need to learn a lot about what it means to be a neighbor, Right? We're just so isolated. And I was thinking about it like, what, what does our neighborhood look like? How connected are we to the people that are next to us? And when we think about Jesus coming and moving into the neighborhood, we have to understand that it is experiential. People came and experienced God face to face. He came to be with us. You know, you think about the implications of that and how that works itself out. Martin Luther, early church uh, father, 
was reading Romans 1.17. And he had this moment where he said he just experienced God. And the way he described it, he says, it, it, was, it was like I was ushered through gates into paradise. He's like, I experienced the gospel for the first time. I experienced what, what it meant to be a Christian. I experienced why Jesus came. And he explained that experience like being ushered into the gates of paradise. Right? Like, have you, have you seen God in this way? I want you to think about the witness of Jesus. See, there's nothing like the witness of a baby, right? When we talk about God with us, like the witness of a baby, that is the closest way to experience another human being. And God didn't say, I'm going to come as a 33-year-old man or even as a 30-year-old man, but I'm going to come as a baby, the closest way you can experience another human being. See, in the Old Testament, the prophets of old could have only dreamed being this close to God. See, what was it that was going to, for 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 humanity to truly experience God he had to drape himself in humanity his glory was too much for us to handle prophets of old Moses I I just want to experience your glory he says you can't it would it would decimate you and so he came and became one of us in the form of a baby and he says I am God with with why did he do it well it's transformational the last part is God with us who's the us who did who did God come to be with we see it all throughout the gospels that Jesus came for the outcasts those who were at the end of their rope those who were in desperate need, those who were confused because they were experiencing deep loneliness. And it's when we see this that it should become transformational for us because you see, God came to be with the broken, the wounded, the hurting. And what we find is that as we look at our lives, we fit into that category. It's not just some people, it's all people. If we're honest with ourselves and we look at ourselves, we say, that's me. That's me. And when you take this off the page and say, God with us, and you came to be with me, it should be so transformational that we say, how, why could it be true? See, we need him to be with us. Matthew Barnett in his book, Misfits Welcome, says, we, all, we always receive calls asking, can you take this wounded person? One man said to me, how does it feel to get all the discarded people? My answer, wonderful. I'm grateful that churches and families would give them to us. 
Give me the cast-offs. Give me the people who are in dire need of regenerative grace. Give me the people who haven't kept the religious handbook. Give me the ones who have been exiled to the ash heap of broken parts. The closer I get to helping other, others in their brokenness, the more broken I realize I am. Right? It's, it's like when you get close to brokenness, you realize... In many ways, I put up a mask and I try to distance myself from just how much I need God. See, it's not just some people, it's all people. We're able to face it. The way that I'm able to face it is to know that God came to be with people like that. Because as you look at the life of Jesus, that's the people that came to him and clung to him and said, I'll follow you wherever you go. Have you let the idea of God coming near to you transform you? See, Christianity is the most inclusive message. Anybody can come. But it's also the most exclusive message is that there's only one door. There's only one. And it's through Jesus Christ. Why? Because he's so unique and he's different than any, anything we've ever seen or experienced. That's why. All are welcome, but we come through the door of Jesus. Acts 4.12 says, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That's why this is so important. He didn't just come to be with us. He came to be God with us. And so some simple takeaways today as we apply this. How does Emmanuel transform us. Number one, it changes our priorities. It changes our priorities. I want you to look at verses 24 and 25. When Joseph woke from sleep, because he experiences this angel that comes to him, delivers this message that Jesus is coming, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not, until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. Now I want you to think about Joseph for a minute because we think about Mary, probably a teenager. Joseph, that's who we're looking at in this moment. Joseph, a young man. A young man. And he takes Mary on knowing that he would probably be looked upon very poorly because he's taking on a pregnant wife. So he's looked upon poorly. He says, I will take that upon myself. Says he knew or not, this was a man of self-control. Self-control. What do young men need more than anything? Self-control, right? But as he's experienced God, it's not, go be more self-controlled. Go get your life together. You know, stop doing those things. No, it's as he experienced God, the self-control came. God transforms people. He was a noble man. But as he's experienced God, it transforms his life. And it says he called his name Jesus. 
See, here's the thing. He took on the responsibility of fathering the Son of God. Can you imagine that responsibility? Angel comes to you. You're going to take this on. You're going to be the father of this child. What? Me? (laughs) You want me to do that? His priorities, everything in life has just been shaken up. And he says, you know what? I'll do it. I'll do it. Young people, what would you do if God moved in to the neighborhood in your life? Would it change your priorities? See, I'm not going to define what those are, but God will. God will. And there will be those moments where you say, I don't know why I feel this way or why I'm supposed to do this thing, but I feel like God's telling me to do it, and so it changes my priorities in life takes me on a totally different path right for me I did not see myself as a pastor let alone a church planter did not see that in the cards for me but when God moves in he does something radical in your heart in your life and you start to make decisions that are different than the ones you would have made if it was just you second It's the second takeaway, the last one. It pulls us closer to God. As we see Emmanuel, what it does is it pulls us closer to God. Will you allow those moments of loneliness to pull you closer to God? Because you're going to experience it. You're going to walk out, and this week, there are going to be moments where you just feel lonely. And you think nobody understands. No one knows what I'm going through right now. Or you're going to experience somebody who is experiencing that right there in front of you. And instead of engaging that, sometimes what we do is we avoid it. Okay, yeah, like, I'll be praying for you. But we're not willing to sit with them in that loneliness. Elizabeth Elliot, who lost her husband because uh, he was a missionary, in Ecuador. As a young woman, she she was wrestling with the loneliness that she felt. And here's what she says. She says, loneliness is one of God's pulleys. It is a call to prayer. She says, this condition of my earthly existence from which I cannot extricate myself is the very ground of my prayer. Because I am lonely and afflicted, I have reason to hope for divine help. God is in the business of coming to the aid of those who know their need and ask him to meet it. Right? Like in those moments of loneliness, in those moments of affliction, what she does is she says, okay, I'm gonna take those moments and use those as times that, to say that God is speaking to me that God is pulling me in, that God is trying to draw me closer to himself because he wants me to experience Emmanuel, God with us. Right, is is just Jesus up in heaven right now and he's distant from us? No, but he sent his Holy Spirit to be with us so that we can experience more and more of what it means to have God with us. 
Those moments of loneliness can be a pulley for us to know God more. And so here's the gospel today. We say Jesus was and is God with us and, and we look at Emmanuel and you say, well, well how does this answer my loneliness? How, how do I know that he's experienced it all for me? Well, we have to go to the end of Jesus' life because here's what he says. Matthew 27, 46, and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, leme sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you want to know what that visual looks like? Some translators don't want to We, we brush it over. He cried out. He cried out. And you just think to yourself, like, oh, yeah, he just cried out those words. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? No, it, it, the, the, the way that it would have been translated within the, the Greek text is it, he, he screamed out. It, it was this painful, deep, excruciating cry of loneliness. And you say, well, well, why was he feeling this? It's because the eternal, loving God, Jesus Christ, his Father, who he has been in eternal relationship before the beginning of time, turned his face away. And Jesus experienced a loneliness like you and I could have never, ever, ever experienced. It was much longer than 60 years. It was an eternal loneliness that God experienced on the cross for you and me. That is true loneliness. And the reason that Jesus did that was so that you and I would never experience true eternal loneliness. God with us. Let's pray. Jesus, Thank you for what you've done. Thank you that you experienced this for us and that because of your sacrifice, God, we can come to you and know that you'll meet us in those moments and be able to understand what we're going through. Your presence, God, with us, it's a miracle. And so help us today to let that transform us in a new way. Let it transform our prayer life. Let it transform the way we see Jesus. Let it transform the way we read the word. Let it transform the way that we see people. Help us, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. 
If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.